Gary White. Today's guest is Matt Damon's partner in Water.org and co-author of their book, The Worth of Water, which focuses on their efforts to provide access to clean water and sanitation. Using impact investing, they've accelerated progress. He'll also share insights about his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Gary, welcome back. We're thrilled to have you on the show again. Great to be here, Devin, for, to, to rejoin you for another conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have been following your work uh, for years because you have been doing incredible work at the intersection of a couple of my favorite passions. I, I think about uh, global public health and poverty uh, as pernicious evils. Uh, well, public health is something, not a pernicious evil, but anyway, you get the idea, right? Public health yeah. problems uh, right. that we need to address. And and water is right at the intersection of those two. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's not altogether unrelated to my third, which is p- climate change. So yeah. this is a really important conversation and I'm thrilled to have it with you uh, once again. You've written a new book uh, with uh, your longtime uh, you know, business partner, uh, Matt mm-hmm. uh, Damon. Uh, so the, 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 the Worth of Water is the new book. Um, and, and I'm so excited to just have a chance to talk to you about this. But the first chapter, you, you call it, um, What the Hell is the Water Problem? I think mm-hmm. is the first name of the first chapter. Tell us, what the hell is the water problem? <laughs> well, talk about pernicious. Uh, yeah, this is a, is a challenge that uh, is really sapping the world and people around the world of their potential. Because uh, while we take water for granted here, you know, you just walk into the kitchen and open the faucet and you have all the water that you can uh, ever imagine drinking for like a very affordable price. And we, we very much take that for, for granted. Why it's a crisis is that for 771 million people around the world, their day starts very differently, right? And if you think about it, uh, every day that you wake up, you've got to get water somewhere, right? And if you can't find it at your tap, then you're going to spend all of your time that day just to find water. And that's the story for people. You know, they might be walking to a distant water hole that uh, they've been using for years, and then one day it's dried up. Well, you can't just forget about it. You've got to go find the next water hole. You've got to find the next water source. Or, you know, you go to uh, collect water at a public stand post, a public facility that uh, you might have to wait in line there an hour, or some days you might wait three hours. So what does that do to you in terms of your productivity and a paying job? You can't just show up late for work uh, by two hours. So it's, it's this time that people spend and the money that people spend. Uh, people who are living in urban slums might have to buy water from one of these kind of sketchy water vendors that sell it off the back of a truck and sometimes paying 25% of their income. So that is the water crisis for those people. It is pervasive for them. It's something that they think about every day and it keeps them from paying jobs. It keeps girls who are collecting this water from being in school. And we can talk a little bit about how it does impact climate as well, because uh, the the resilience of communities to shocks around climate is going to cause some to backslide unless we can we can get on top of it. Uh, it extends, yeah. obviously, for us, the water issue is going to hit home even more 
for us in the industrialized countries as climate change affects weather patterns, droughts, floods, and things like that. So it's, it's a multifaceted problem. For us, we experience it differently. But for people living in poverty, it is like an everyday uh, struggle for them. You and Matt each came at uh, the, the problem of water, the water problems in the world, independently. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, you know, you, you've got clever names for your, your chapters in the book, but the, mm-hmm. the chapter on how you two brought your organizations together is called The Meat Cute, uh, yeah. of course, a, a film reference. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you take us through the story? How did you two connect and come together mm-hmm. to work on this? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, you know, Matt had uh, started another organization called H2O Africa, which was focused on water, obviously, in Africa. And I co-founded Water Partners uh, back in 1990. And then, uh, you know, through the kind of the water network, uh, we discovered what each other was doing. And uh, I had the good fortune to meet some of the the colleagues that Matt was working with, who subsequently became board members uh, for water.org. And they introduced me to Matt. Uh, We got connected at the Clinton Global Initiative back in 2008 in, in New York. And that's when we had the chance to just sit down one on one and kind of share our respective water journeys at that point. And, you know, H2O Africa was at a certain point in its development where it could benefit from the expertise that water.org or at that time, water partners had kind of pioneered new ideas. Uh, And it seemed like the combination of that history and track record of water partners combined with the passion and some of the developing resources and Matt's ability to, to reach audiences just clicked. And, we uh, you know, decided that we were going to try to put the two organizations together to be more efficient. And then the subsequent year at the Clinton Global Initiative in 2009, we announced it. And it's just been uh, an incredible partnership ever since Matt has completely leaned into it, he gives up his time, you know, his, his resources, his financial resources. Uh, he works with us on relationships like we have with Stella Artois. Uh, where, you know, we do some things in collaboration with them, and then he donates all of his fees from that back to water.org. So uh, he is, uh, you know, in addition to all that, he is now one of the world's water experts because the guy's so smart and he immerses himself in strategy, travels the world with us to, to meet people, learn from them, and, uh, and have greater impact. I sometimes get a little annoyed that Mm -hmm. uh, because I have interviewed Bill Gates twice, Mm -hmm. people who need money reach out to me to ask for an introduction to Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that you are asked about Matt far more than you want to answer. But at -hmm. the same time, uh, you're on a short list of people who know Matt really well. and he is essential to your work. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you would just take a minute and tell us what it's like to work mm-hmm. with Matt and, and what Matt is like as a business partner. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, as any good business part- partner, he gives mind share to the issue, to the business, if you will. Uh, he participates strategically in things, uh, participates 
when we're doing field site visits. And in fact, you know, one of the things that, that we've done together uh, is the creation of Water Equity, which is a, a separate organization now. It's an asset manager that provides financial returns, uh, competitive financial returns to impact investors uh, while we use those funds to then go out and invest in water supply solutions for people living in poverty. So to give you an example of Matt as a business partner, it was during a field visit in India, uh, probably about seven years ago, where we were talking to our partners who offer these micro loans for water and sanitation improvements, like what is slowing you down? What could allow you guys to make even more of these loans and scale up faster? And Every one of those financial institutions said we need more consistent access to affordable capital. And so we're in the Jeep digesting all these meetings that we had. It's like, well, we should be able to tap into people in the U.S. and Europe who want to invest in things like this and get a financial return, even if it's modest. And that was like the brainstorm. And Matt's like, let's do this. I'll, I'll be the first investor. Right. And so not only does he see like the strategic importance of like doing a spinoff, like water equity, but he'll put his own skin in the game to back it as any good entrepreneur would. And so that's what it's it's like to, to work with Matt on these, yeah. these issues. And that water equity is uh, a real innovation. It's old hat to you now, but this mm-hmm. idea of investing capital directly in a it's a for-profit structure, but with a non-profit mission. You know, this clear social mission and providing a, a modest financial return. That's that's still uh, at the uh, leading edge of things. The way you have done that, and so uh, kudos to you for that that great work. As you, um, you know, one of the chapters in the book is on venture philanthropy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you would just take a minute and walk us through how I imagine, you know, part of that is the water equity is, is a great example of that. But what are some of the other aspects of venture philanthropy that seemed relevant uh, to you as you wrote the book? Mm. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've written a lot about this, actually, both in the book as well as through op-eds that Matt and I have done. And, the, you know, the concept of venture philanthropy of using philanthropic capital in a way that helps you bridge to a more sustainable kind of market oriented solution for what can be some of the world's greatest problems, right? So clearly, as we talked about, water and sanitation is one of the world's most critical challenges. And being able to use that philanthropic capital like we have with water.org to then create what I would call uh, a whole new financial engine that looks at getting capital to people living in poverty. What are the bottlenecks? What are the market failures that keep capital from getting to them so that they can get the financial tools that they need to get the water solutions that are best for them? And so what we've done with water.org is help the markets de-risk that type of investment in people living in poverty. And We've done that through technical assistance to these financial institutions, helping them build portfolios that focus on different types of water technologies that give them the expertise and the confidence that they need to go out and lend for toilets and water connections. And so that philanthropic capital is building the engine and then water equity is the fuel. So once those constructs can be developed, that they're bankable, 
then water equity can provide the investment capital to then do millions of these loans. And so that's what I see as key as venture philanthropy. It's using philanthropy in a way to unlock the market and unlock systemic change that can then be self-propagating in a way. And nothing is more self-propagating than being able to tap, tap into the capital markets and provide uh, a competitive return. That is what we're doing with venture philanthropy. And just roughly, if you look at it, I mean, we've raised about $250 million in philanthropy over the course of water.org. That's now unleashed $3.5 billion in microloans that have gone out into the world. So you can see the leverage that venture philanthropy can get you with the capital markets. Wow. That is that is really... Hmm. Yeah, that's that's profound. That is, and that's about forty three point seven million people that that represents getting water access through not just a traditional charitable approach, but through innovation, entrepreneurship, and the market. Yeah, and that's uh, roughly six percent of the total global population that's in a water crisis right now, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't done that math 40, on it. But that sounds about right, Devin. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's that's pretty incredible for one organization, uh, mm-hmm. even even one backed by people as great as you and Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look at what you've accomplished at Water.org, it is really pretty radical. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's great stuff. As you think about the future now. What what does the future hold for water.org and what is the future of water in the world? Uh, and there are a lot of things putting it at risk, right? Let's think through. Uh, not only do we have great people like you and Matt working to address the problems, but we've got climate change threatening a lot of the progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that does give me pause and, and uh, causes us to reflect like, how do we fit into that? How is our work as it exists now affected by that or possibly diminished by that as, as water sources dry up for people that we might be helping now? How do we help them first get more resilient to climate change and help uh, with adaptation? And that certainly is built into the programs that, that we undertake. And that is... Uh, complemented by our thinking now in terms of mitigation, right? And what is happening in terms of the global water supply infrastructure that is contributing to, you know, greenhouse gases and carbon. And that is why with water equity and with water.org, we are looking more at this top-down financing that we can catalyze, you know, this bottom-up financing, helping households get access, you know, to a loan for maybe, you know, two or $300 to get their water solution is key and important, and that's been unleashed. But what about the top-down capital that's needed to invest in the infrastructure so that those water pipes are in the ground for people to connect to? And how can we make sure that that infrastructure is as green as possible? So, what we see right now is a really dire situation. If you look at, at water and the energy, the, the carbon footprint, if you will, of water, you know, take California, for example, 25% of all of the electricity that's used in California is used to pump water, to move it to where people are, to treat the water and distribute it, right? And then you kind of extrapolate from that and say, okay, maybe not everybody is 
has that much energy going to water and sanitation, but it's a lot. And then you look at the water losses. So across the emerging markets, it's not atypical for a water system to lose 50% of the water that gets put into it because of antiquated infrastructure, broken pipes, poor billing, et cetera. So then you say, oh my gosh, this carbon footprint is massive. And it's one thing if you're using carbon and have a footprint for things that are really providing great financial and economic good. But when 50% of the water leaks out, 50% of all of the financial impact is completely lost. That is like zero return carbon (laughs) that you're getting. So what we're going to be doing more and more of is investing from the top down in this infrastructure for two things. One is to help alleviate uh, the carbon footprint of the infrastructure. And two, to make sure when money does get invested in infrastructure, it doesn't just go to the more affluent neighborhoods, but that it serves the people that we are really targeting, some of the poorest among us, to make sure that they get connected to the grid and can capture those benefits as well. Yeah, well, that is that is profound work. That is exciting work. That's critically important work. So I, I commend you for tackling that. Uh, Gary, you probably... Remember that uh, after our last interview uh, a couple of years back, I included you in my book, Superpowers for Good. We talked mm-hmm. a little bit in our last conversation about your superpower, and you you described it as tenacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is, you know, uh, a great superpower. <laughs> and obviously, you've done a lot with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder uh, if you reflect on that, uh, can identify in your experience, a, a particular example when tenacity was uh, really an essential element in a success? Hmm. So uh, for me, it was when we first hit on this concept of lending for water and sanitation improvements instead of just being you know, a charity-led organization that would just you know use philanthropy to drill wells and cut the ribbon on the project and move on to the next place. So uh, we saw the potential because of the insights we gained from women around the world who explained to us how much they're paying for water, how much it's costing them, and how it's holding them back. And you know we started to lean into this, like, okay, what if we could do loans instead of just grants? And you know it didn't go well at first, right? We had some of our those. Those loans, uh, you know, fail at about a 50% rate, 50% repayment. And so that's when we kind of had to take a step back and, and understand how to work with additional financial partners who had expertise that then allowed us to, to come out the other side. And I think that that tenacity, you know, showed up then. I think, I, you know, if I can be permitted to talk about what might be another superpower is that what I've discovered over the years is it's about channeling, Right trying to relate not this story of, of Matt and I and, and the, the organization, but channeling the, the stories and the heroics of the people who gain access to water and sanitation, because our whole model is based on them taking the lead. And that is what we try to do in the, in the Worth of Water, the book, is to just be narrators of their stories. And, 
And I think that, you know, I as an engineer tend to get caught up in the technicalities and the finance of this, but just one story of those, of those heroics uh, that I would like to pass on and channel is a woman I met uh, in Uganda a few years ago. She introduced herself as Mama Florence. That was the name she gave me. She's a grandmother actually. And she would spend hours every day on her bicycle searching for water for her children and some of her grandchildren. And she took out a loan of about $275 from one of our partners, and she installed a pump at her home and a water storage tank. And she now is using that water, obviously, to improve the health of her family. But she also was growing a garden with the water and using the vegetables for better nutrition. Some of those she was feeding to pigs that she was now raising and selling. And then she started making bricks uh, from the clay soil around her because she had water now to do that with. And so she was selling the bricks and then she built some small rooms near her house so that she could then rent those out. And now she has you know, water, plus she has this incredibly unleashed entrepreneurial spirit that is allowing her to pay for her grandchildren to go to school. So the, the, this is like why water, right? It's not just the downside, but it's the upside potential. And, and you know, we don't realize how much it unleashed all of this global economic engine that we are, but it did. No city ever started or grew up without having access to water. And no family can realize their potential until they have access to water. Uh, that is really a, a great example. And I the principle you're talking about this the superpower of channeling i think is uh, a critically important one and i think uh, it's it's one that um we're just trying to explore and understand better it's it's a relatively new concept you you've helped on the forefront of this work right to to push the work to local people to make sure local people are involved right this which is all part of channeling right M making mm -hmm. sure that the, the the work we do as nonprofit leaders is about the people we're helping and not not about us it's mm -hmm. tempting to make it about us mm -hmm. uh, and so tell us a little bit more about how mm. you and matt and uh, try to use this superpower of channeling to make sure that your work is more effective? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, one of the ways that, uh, that we do it, again, is drawing on the wisdom and the insight and experiences of people that we serve. So they, you know, this woman I met in India, for instance, I, this is what was my aha moment. She had uh, taken out a loan from a loan shark in order to build a toilet. This woman was probably like in her 70s or 80s and she was poor, but she still wanted that toilet so bad because she was too old to climb down this rocky hillside to go to the railroad tracks in the middle of the night to relieve herself, right? And so this is what she invested in. She went to a loan shark and took out a loan for 125% interest on that loan. She didn't realize that necessarily, but she knew how much she was paying. I did the math and it's just like, oh my gosh, this it, this woman and her experience is what is informing how we design water credit and how we see the potential for that to, to work. And it was lots of stories like that that helped us realize that we were able to create so much value through water and sanitation for people like her that they would willingly pay for it at a reasonable rate 
And then we could use those funds to that are repaid at 99%, by the way, these loans uh, around the world, and then pay that forward to get more people access to water. That is, she's channeling to us to help us design our response instead of us sitting here in the US saying, this is what we should do and go like hand it to the world. And that's, that's the, the channeling works in all the directions. And, and of course, with Matt, you know, he has the potential uh, as a storyteller to channel these things as well. And that's frankly why we wanted to write the book, uh, because we felt like we have, you know, used lots of different methods to kind of reach people. But this is one that really draws on his ability to, to tell stories and to personalize it so that, you know, people will pick up the book and, and, you know, he and I are donating all of our fees for the book back to water.org. So every book purchase actually helps people get more water and sanitation. And so we're hoping it'll take off and people will introduce it at their book clubs, you know, buy a copy and hand it off to a friend uh, so that the people who we are serving story gets out there. Yeah. Well, Let's talk a little bit here as we wrap up, just about where people can find it, where they can learn more about you and Matt and your work at water.org. I suspect water.org might be a relevant location for getting more information, right? But, uh, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, the, the, the book and uh, in terms of where to find it and, and yeah. that sort of thing. No, it's, uh, you know, Penguin Random House is the, the publisher. And so obviously, you know, any place you can buy books, uh, you know, obviously you can pre-order it on Amazon now uh, and lots of other outlets uh, where you can uh, pick up the book. Uh, I think that uh, with the the book itself has some ideas there for people and how they can get involved more. And then, of course, yeah, water.org and uh, waterequity.org, too, to learn more about uh, our asset manager and how those two organizations work together to literally you know, drive water and sanitation to tens of millions of people. We, we project by the end of this calendar year, we'll have hit 50 million people with access. Uh, so we're looking forward to celebrating that milestone after the book comes out as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, Gary, again, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I wish you every success with the book and with your continued effort uh, to address the crisis of water access around the world. Uh, you know, we, we want you to be super successful. Thanks, Devin. And thanks for giving us a platform to, to reach more people and for all you do to inspire social change uh, as well. Well, thank you. Let's do some good. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.